Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. You good, Rico? All right, all right, all right. I'm great, man. You know what time it is. It is time for the Black History Month. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You are now tuned into High at Nine News. Every day you can get High at Nine at with, uh, with us or also High Noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Lumi, the dopest dad on the street. And it's Wednesday, February 1st. Today is National Girls and Women in Sports Day. So pay attention. They do cool shit, too. National Baked Alaska Day, because when it's cold as fuck every day, you should be baked as well. And the first day of Black History Month also. Of course, it's the shortest month of the year, which will eventually be reduced to just Juneteenth, because Donald Trump was a better man to the blacks than Abe Lincoln. We should be grateful. No, seriously. Uh, everyone watching, please like, share, hit the subscribe button, and follow us at Hyatt 9 News across all social media platforms. We're live weekday mornings on YouTube and Twitch, audio only on Clubhouse. And if you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented. We're going to be getting things started today with the Green Street wheeling and dealing mink coat rocking private jet hopping, longest continuously operating retailer in the game, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Hope everybody ha is having a great day. It's hump day. We are almost at the hump. But today, my story is probably going to make somebody cry. That's right, because if this happened to me, I would probably be crying, too. Because authorities have seized $33.9 million in illegal cannabis found in massive Oakland raids. That's right. Authorities seized over 30,000 marijuana plants, 2,720 pounds of marijuana, and multiple firearms at an illegal cannabis growing operation in Oakland last week, according to the Department of Cannabis Control, a.k.a. the DCC. The agency estimated that the illegal cannabis was worth over $33.9 million, and the, the, the two-day raid took place on January 26th and 27th and, when, and was conducted at two warehouses on separate sides of the city. Lieutenant Miguel Felix Ibarala with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office said the agency coordinated with the DCC on the, in quotes, high-risk search warrants at both facilities. This search warrant operation was part of a large-scale marijuana cultivation and tax evasion investigation, Ibarra told SFGate in an email. 
He also says two large warehouses located on the premises, uh, located on these properties, had been converted into sophisticated marijuana cultivation facilities. I wonder if they're calling it sophisticated just because they had drip lines, but I don't know. They say it's clear how many individuals, it's not clear how many individuals were involved allegedly in the illegal cannabis growing operation. Neither agency said if anyone was arrested or if any charges were filed. And the DCC said it also seized one handgun and one AR style rifle during a Thursday raid at a suspect's residence. The two raids took place in West Oakland at 1685 34th Street and in East Oakland at 1217 48th Avenue. Illegal cannabis farms have remained in the East Bay even after the state legalized adult use cannabis back in 2016. On January 10th, authorities seized over 3 million in cannabis at a Livermore warehouse. And in 2021, authorities dismantled what they called the largest illegal cannabis growing operation in Bay Area history with $42 million worth of plants and millions of dollars in cash seized in San Leandro. The DCC estimated that the marijuana plants seized last week were worth $27.9 million and the processed marijuana flower was worth $5.9 million. The estimate works out to roughly $823 per plant and $1,650 uh, $1, per pound. That's a good number you're getting for pounds if they're getting $16.50 of cannabis flour, which is significantly higher than the current market rate for legal cannabis in California. Furthermore, cannabis sold outside the state in illicit markets can be worth more than legal marijuana sold in California's legal market, they say. And the DCC did not explain how it estimated those totals or how they came up with those figures. But... I'm going to digress and see what my panel has to say about this because I think there's a little bit of fudge in these numbers. And this is Jason Becker reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all have to say? Yeah, it is incredibly is. exciting to hear those numbers. I mean, I wish law enforcement set the price tag out in the market. Right? $16.50 a pound. That's a good number. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? That's a great number. That's a really yeah, good that's like that's like 500 bucks more than what average people are getting nowadays. Yeah, definitely 500 Very more. interesting on the numbers there. And um, oh, $876 per, per plant? <laughs> I mean, what 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 are these outdoor plants that have five pounds on them? Coldest, yeah, man. I don't know. About it, I mean, look at historically speaking. Whenever there's a raid of any type, the uh, the dollar amount that they equate to what they've confiscated is always really interesting. Well, too. well, I I, I understand how the federal like, government does it. I understand the federal we, government's way. Yeah, why don't we provide law enforcement with like a real scale? You know, ah. like. You know, like when the industry updates what flowers worth, we should like hand it over to law enforcement so their numbers are more accurate. I don't know. I think I think <laughs> I know. I think I know how the state came up with this number because I'm pretty sure they were adding in their 27% excise tax into the, the existing cost factor of the pounds. They're probably also adding in what someday might be the federal value. Yes. Or maybe what pounds go for on Mars. Ah, that's right. Mars for Christ. Forgot. Yes, Mars price. That's right. That's right. But eight hundred eight hundred and seventy six dollars for a plant. I mean, you know, in, indoor indoor plants. You know, you get an ounce, maybe a couple ounces off per, per plant. You know, I mean, you're, 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 I don't know. I mean, the goal for most indoor grows now is at least closer to two pounds a plant. That's what everybody's. No, to. two pounds per light. 
two two to three pounds per light, and then you have a bunch of plants underneath there. But your average your average weight, let's just say, even at at, at best, you pulled three ounces off a plant. Okay, there's no way that three ounces is worth eight hundred and forty whatever the hell they said. I don't know, man. I don't know. Even <laughs> even if you make the finest rosin with the trim. I think it's very uh, peculiar. There's not that many guns on all these drug busts that we're seeing. What? Yeah, one handgun and one AR. Yeah. Like well, that's because you got too many guns. There's a five-year minimum mandatory. The Fed step in. So, and I'm always curious why the Fed stay away, and if they're going to stay away from this. Because if you get to a thousand plants, you're looking at ten years minimum and the gun enhancement. You don't get to do them concurrently. They stack them on your ass. Well, they they have to break one of those eight laws in order for them to come in and 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 be justified. So they have to have like proof of sales from a minor or proof um, of sales uh, getting exported to another but state. Those or, are not laws. Those are guys. No, but those are the rules. Those are the rules. Those are those are what dictates whether or not they can spend outside of the purview of what they're allowed to spend. You're not allowed to have guns. On any of these places, yeah, but gun, gun, guns isn't isn't one of those eight rules. Well, it doesn't matter because if you're in federal court and they're charging you with a gun enhancement, you can't wave the coal memo. Go, oh look, they're not supposed to do this. They're going to laugh your fucking ass right out of court and throw you right in prison. So guidelines are guidelines. That's part of the problem we have here. They're trying to sneak around the side window rather than go in the front door and say it should all be legal or illegal. Draw hard lines. Keep the feds out of this shit. Where's that line drawn? We don't have that. These guidelines are scary because they can be removed tomorrow. What about crossbows and other projectile weapons? What's that, Rico? What about crossbows or any other projectile weapons? Are they included? I don't think they're covered by the federal gun enhancement. What if you had had one of Elon Musk's flamethrowers? I'm going to go buy a crossbow today. Can you guys imagine me with a crossbow? (laughs) I could, yes. I could totally yeah. picture that. Yeah. Hawkeye, hundred percent. Look out, bitches! Look out! Exactly, <laughs> doing front flip, tucking rolls and shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Finally, crossbow season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Oh man. Oh man. Man, I just, I, I just can't believe that DCC is, is is participating in this. But I understand how the federal government does it. The federal government quantifies everything as twenty five dollars a gram, and they consider all parts of the plant weight. So when they pull a plant out, even with the dirt and everything, they weigh that, and regardless of when it's wet or whatnot, they're quantifying that at twenty five dollars a gram. So I understand how the federal government comes up with these high ass numbers, but to see the DCC participating in the same they similar stance, I'm a little bit confused by that. They know better or do that. Well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, they have the data to know. I'll say that much. With all the waste that happens in California, different distribution facilities and manufacturing places. And they definitely know the difference of wet weed to dry weed ratio. Moisture. <laughs> you know. Yeah, lots of lots of moisture going on. Any other thoughts on this, Dale? Um, a lot of them, but we ain't going to fix this shit with that story. That's that's the problem. We can t- continue to talk about some of the problems here, but we got the commerce clause coming up in my discussion. So maybe right. we'll bring. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna save the time for that. We're gonna move to a commercial, mm-hmm. and we're gonna be right back. Let's do it.
air noises on there, Rico. It sounds it makes me think of like karate kicks in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> we gotta have a tournament, man. We gotta have That's a right. Mortal Kombat's downstairs in uh um at Green Street, right? We, we we no, we have Street Fighter, the old school Street Fighter. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty it's dope. Championship edition okay. turbo. It is, it is turbo. <laughs> but coming up next, it's the dope dad himself, the one that likes to play more video games and he likes to cook dinners. That's right. It is Rico the Meat. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, my headline today is from NOLA.com by Ian McNulty. King Cake makes the leap to medical marijuana through Mardi Gras-themed cannabis chews. Mardi Gras season is upon us, and as much of the yearly Louisiana tradition represents wild partying in New Orleans, massive unsafe crowds on Bourbon Street, and of course the illicit untaxed trading of colorful beads for sexual favors in broad daylight. You know, like spring break for folks that never made it to college or the ones that did and their parents could afford that trip to Cancun. Anyone who's celebrated knows another tradition involved with Mardi Gras king cake, the weird giant cinnamon roll slash coffee cake hybrid with the plastic baby baked into it like it ain't as much of a choking hazard to drunk ass adults as much as it would be a toddler um king cake or the three kings cake lore is rooted in western christian tradition of epiphany celebrating their visit to christ the child the eve of epiphany aka the 12th night or the last of the 12 days of christmas commences the epiphany season the cake traditions related to the roman feast of saturnalia Festivals dedicated to the god Saturn where Romans would celebrate longer days to come after the winter solstice. As Catholicism spread, Roman authorities tried to, but they could not stop citizens from their wild partying ways. So they compromised and edited the actual date of Jesus' birthday from a more accurate late February, early March to December. And that's why we still to this day celebrate Christmas on the 25th. Aside from the loud wild music and midday anything goes street orgies round cakes were also made with figs dates and honey everything was shared equally amongst the elites commoners and slaves and as early as the third century a dry bean was hidden inside that cake and the lucky one who got it was named king of kings for a short time established in advance essentially making fun of faux christian mythology y'all might ask what does this have to do with fucking cannabis well that bean that evolved in to a miniature baby figurine represent baby Jesus. And this comes to us today with Louisiana decriminalizing cannabis late August. It was only a matter of time before King Cake tradition made its way to the nascent industry. And sure enough, Good Day Farms was first to make the move. Per the article, the King Cake flavored coffee when you needed a boost. There's also King Cake flavored vodka when it's time to party. Now there's a new line of King Cake edibles come in a flavor of chews that ail you through, uh, um, though in Louisiana, you will need a medical prescription to get them. They'll be available in strawberry, lemonade, watermelon, sugar, tiger's blood flavors, and uh, st at state-approved dispensaries on the 21st. Arkansas-based Good Day Farms has become one of the biggest suppliers of product to Louisiana's industry as one of the only two permitted cultivators through a state partnership to grow at LSU. How did Arkansas operation take over the Louisiana market before they even got up and running? Follow the fucking money. <laughs> the vegan and gluten-free pectin chews are not made from brioche like traditional king cakes, but they are cinnamon flavored with multicolor coating similar to those of you who know what king cakes look like. Each contains 20 milligrams of THC, the company said. But my favorite part of this 
article by far was the breakdown of the product's sketchy dosage science. And I want to hear Mandy's take on this one. Um, Good Day Farms executive chef Peter Sturdivant said, dosage levels are relative. Though this is generally considered a potent amount, the nice thing about chews is that you can portion them into smaller pieces if you want less of an effect. We also recommend starting off low and going up from there to help you find your perfect dosage. This is coming from a medical provider, y'all. Uh, welcome to the game, Louisiana, and good luck to everyone taking a chance on one of these state cartel-funded and approved trap candies capitalizing off American traditions derived from millennial, millennially celebrated compromises rooted in pagan pedo street fests. That's a fistful of hyperinflation, adjusted beads. Get me these days in Joe Biden's America. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad in the street. I'd like to hear from the rest of the team on this one. Oh, Mandy, you got this. You're an edibles judge. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds like right up your alley right here. When it comes to dosing edibles, I mean, obviously the number one rule is start low and go slow. We all have to figure out our own ratios, but I don't know. I, I personally love high dose things. So, do you really? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, this this, this just sounds like is it twenty okay. milligrams ish coming from a medical twenty milligrams ish? I mean, from a medical listen, facility ish. Somebody who loves a higher dose—that's a good dose, you know. For me, that's a good starter dose for most for most high dose edible folks. Um, when I hear three milligrams or something like that in an edible, I think, damn, I have some serious work to do to get where I want to be. Right. Um, but recognizing that I'm a bit more of an anomaly, most people are not at that level. And then, you know, at the end of the day, if I have to eat more edibles to get where I need to get, then I will. So the rest of y'all don't get too high. <laughs> you know? Oh boy. I think there's going to be a I lot of cross-statedness uh, on Bourbon Street this year at Mardi Gras. Mm. I mean, I'm for it. I'm there for it. Okay. Where's my invitation to this celebration? <laughs> Outstanding. Personally, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of over gummies. Like, I wish they would have did a cake or something like that, you know? Like, it's there's so many gummies out there. And the flavorings that they're picking, like, it's not really, I don't know. It'll it's hard. Right? To get around another gummy is like, it is I'm not they don't have the baby in there. They should have that little baby. Something, there has to be something <laughs> exciting about it, right? Like what what yeah. is the turn up? What's the what's the little nuance yeah. that, that's gonna be the hook, you know? Exactly. I mean, I used it's to sell so many thousand. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if that's the hook. I don't know if that's a I good feel hook. Like Mardi Gras, every time I eat edibles, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, 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 put your funny glasses on and I am mad St. Germain ain't in here to get on this and the roots of Mardi Gras and the debauchery and the pedo fests that came from mm -hmm. the feast of Saturnalia that we believe is Christmas. Oh, it's, boy. Real. it's just pervading real culture. History. I mean, these real history, y'all. These, these, these edibles, man, I, I, I just is always such a problem. I mean, I remember back in the days, everything was labeled 1x, 2x, 10x. 30x 50x and then the, the, the and then the craziest part to me is like the stronger the dosage the smaller the edible gut yes back in the day was it all right um didn't didn't yeah, the cute choose have that like, real little one that was 100 milligram no there was it was it was like 250 it was milligrams it was called the deca dose it was like Decadose. 225 yeah. 200 something things i used to sell so yeah. many of those things um, but that's that that's even in medical days when it was more refined. I'm talking about even bef before then, 
when there was no standard dosage or no one used milligrams. It was just everything was by the how many X's it had on, on the sticker. If the more X's. Listen, at the end of the day, if we want to be taken seriously as an industry, we have to be able to get people to understand exactly how much they're taking, right? They need to know what they're ingesting. They have to be able right. to feel confidence in the yeah. product, right? Mm -hmm. We don't go back and buy the same product over and over and over if we don't believe in it, right? right. So what are you establishing with your customer base at the end of the day? Yeah, that's what I was getting at. It. And them being a medical market that was so slow to come to the game in the first place, I would have thought it would be more precise there. But it's not like they have a lot of regulation uh, there or a lot of um, competition because there's only two state. Smarty uh, Yeah, there's Anything only two state-approved cultivators, period. And one of them is mm -hmm. um, based in Arkansas, and they're both uh, um, growing at LSU. It's all bad. What are they going to do about this interstate trade thing? <laughs> we should talk. We should talk. We should yeah. talk. About that later, oh, you know? oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Up next. Oh, you got, you, got, you, got, you, got, you got something for us? Oh, I was just going to say, too, there was a question earlier about like why they didn't do, you know, cakes versus edible versus the mm -hmm. gummies. And in back in, you know, good old days of Prop 215 here in California, many bakers did lean into doing cakes, cupcakes, things like that. But the shelf stableness is just not there in comparison to gummies. I mean, you can put a gummy in a bag and leave it there for a year. You can't do that with a piece of cake. Like a cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> saying these are high in protein edibles, oh, wow. Dale? Uh, more roaches than cocks. Yeah, yeah. let's keep on. <laughs> I mean, it's New Orleans. Are you sure? Hey. It's going to make this a good experience for the naive cannabis user. They're going to be Fucked up, Jim. Oh yeah. my god! Oh, it's, yeah, it's gonna be fan. It's gonna be a shit show. The crossfade yeah. is real. There, yes. there's gonna be a crossfade. So, I, like I, I need to go investigate. Yes, you do. She's a Sacktown-based Emerald Cup Edibles judge and crusader for female entrepreneurship. Known for blazing trails and doobies alike at Camilla Canagram and Canamaya.org and the Women's Can Awards competition. Y'all know who it is next. It's Mandy Tingler. Good morning, friends. Bear with me here. I'm totally out of sorts today. I dumped an entire cup of coffee in my lap literally seconds before we went on the air. So um, I have a really interesting story today. It's coming to us from the Wall Street Journal. The headline reads, gummies, massage oils put in class with heroin in Hong Kong CBD crackdown. The subheading says possession is ranked with heroin, cocaine, as the financial center takes an unusual step in its targeting a substance widely touted for its health benefits. Business and residents are dumping their CBD products ahead of a new law starting Wednesday that criminalizes possession of the cannabis derivative, ranking, its, ranking it alongside heroin and cocaine. Products like Product like oils, drinks, and gummies infused with CBD or cannabidiol have been disappearing from store shelves in recent weeks. Authorities placed disposal boxes around the city for users to offload CBD-laced items. Business owners are slashing prices on remaining stock, throwing fire sale parties, and converting storefronts as they shift into new lines of business before the law takes effect. The ban on products containing the compound, a non-psychoactive component of cannabis, 
threatens penalties of up to seven years in prison for possession and up to life for manufacturing or trafficking substance. Authorities have justified the ban, arguing that CBD is difficult to separate from THC, the high-inducing compound of marijuana. The law is set to snuff out Hong Kong's nascent CBD industry. In the past few years, businesses selling an array of CBD-infused products have sprung up across the city, joining a fast-growing global market valued by analysts at about $2 billion in 2021. Smoke shops stocked CBD-loaded vape pens, craft breweries served up CBD-spiked beer, and beauty parlors offered CBD-infused lotions and body oils. It's such a shame, says Jessica Wong, founder of Sea Hemp, a store in central Hong Kong selling oils, creams, and other products containing CBD. If you talk to any CBD business owner, we are not hippies, she said. Our core has always been about wellness. Ms. Wong said she's been selling what remains of her stock at deep discounts and will convert her store to a beauty salon. Vials of CBD oil that earlier fetched almost $130 were priced for around a tenth of that. While many Western countries have loosened policies on cannabis in recent years, many Asian nations maintained a strict zero tolerance towards narcotics. Singapore, for example, bans all cannabis and cannabis derivatives, which extends to CBD. China banned CBD in cosmetics in 2021 and has said it isn't approved for food or medical use. In contrast, Thailand last year became the first country in Asia to decriminalize cannabis altogether. Hong Kong's decision to single out CBD for an outright ban is unusual, said Anthony Torig, head legal analyst at Canna Intelligence, a consulting firm and data provider for the cannabis industry. There are certainly many places where CBD is not legal. However, we haven't seen anything like this in recent history with CBD quite like Hong Kong is doing now. And and in that, they are taking a step to affirmatively ban CBD as a substance. Cannabis plants contain dozens of cannabinoid chemicals, including CBD. The compound isn't psychoactive like THC. Some researchers and companies say CBD can ease pain, anxiety, or help with sleep. Many countries have been easing restrictions on CBD. In 2018, Congress legalized hemp, a cannabis plant with a minimal level of THC and its resulting products, but left them to the Food and Drug Administration to regulate. That same year, the agency approved the first CBD prescription drug in the U.S. as a treatment for a rare form of epilepsy. However, the FDA last week said that more oversight of CBD products was needed and it would seek more, more powers from lawmakers. Hong Kong authorities have said that CBD is hard to isolate from THC and warned that CBD products can contain trace amounts of the psychoactive compound. They have also said that CBD had a natu- can naturally degrade into THC under normal storage conditions and can be used to produce THC. While it's possible to convert CBTHC, doing so requires a powerful acid and high temperature, said Jennifer Martin, a doctor and chair of clinical pharmacology at the University of Newcastle, Australia. She said she isn't aware of any studies showing CBD converting to THC in storage or in the human body after consumption. In many countries where CBD products are allowed, authorities often set strict limits on THC content. Under the 2018 U.S. federal law, cannabis plants and derivatives can contain no more than 0.3 THC on any dry weight basis, according to the FDA. 
in a two-day raid of a warehouse and CBD shops in January last year. Hong Kong Customs Authorities seized 25,000 CBD items that they said contained THC and arrested nine people. The Hong Kong government proposed controlling CBD in June. The article goes on about, you know, the different raids that have happened. But folks, let's talk a little bit about this entire banning of CBD in Hong Kong and treating it just like cocaine. What the fuck? This is Mandy on High at Night. This sounds to me like a lot of Chinese influence in Japan. Yeah, I think I think yeah, it's, it's not Japan, uh, but uh, I, I think this is uh, China trying to remain a production-based uh, economy through their communism, uh, rather than uh, becoming a consumer nation. They want to produce all of that shit and send it to the rest of the world and keep their I people mean... productive. That's my that's my guess on this one. I would think that even at the DEA, they'd be looking at that going, what the fuck, man? This is stupid. Right. It's, it's very- uh, and hopefully we're to that point where the science smacks people right in the face when they're making policies about this. Because they're right. Converting CBD to anything requires high pressure, lots of real toxic acids. Things. It's not going to hurt. And you're not going to smoke hemp and get high. So just knock it off. This is just authoritarianism. And yeah. we, we've been through it in this country since 1970. We passed our controlled substances act so we've seen it we look in the rearview mirror and go yeah we did the same damn stuff you know we're still doing it but this is like over the top <laughs> fucking stupid over the top yeah just a gross rep- misrepresentation of what has been proven time and time again clinically in in you know at this point probably hundreds of thousands of instances and let's not even start talking about the fact that, you know, again, and we talk about this pretty much every single day, that every time you try to something to wipe something out in its entirety and confiscate it, you just open up a, you know, illicit market. But China doesn't care about that. China is yeah. totally, totally good with that. It'll be, no it'll, be, it'll, with that. it'll be interesting to, uh, to see how the U.S. responds to all of this shit because um, it's coming ahead and uh, China is taking more and more control over the uh, well i mean hong, 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 kong, hong, kong, hong kong is is technically a chinese province in my opinion is it really yeah Look it, it is it's, it's controlled by china it's independent it's, all, it's always been controlled by china. china it is it, it's independent financially but it's controlled by china not anymore china is grabbing all of that shit and is coming to a head as we head closer and closer to world war three Oh God! There Let's go. not forget that Hong Kong had a lease because the British went there and forced them to buy opium yep. from them in the 1840s. So they probably yep. have a little butt hurt still from that. Yep. Is see, um, it's it's really it's really crazy to see all of the U.S. diplomats uh, really fumble over their words of how to classify Hong Kong in any of their press uh, press releases, and they they will uh, um, uh, correct themselves if they call it a country. I call it a Chinese island. If they call it a country, they're like, oh, 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 oh. It's Joe a political football, what it is. Yeah. Yep. Adelia, what do you think? Are you going to throw an event with Event High over in Hong Kong anytime soon? <laughs> I don't think anytime soon. Yeah, not anytime soon. But what I find interesting is looking more into this article that voluntarily there's already been 77,400 products that have already been voluntarily submitted into these boxes that Hong Kong has set up. Like that's, that's crazy. Are these like yeah. amnesty? Are these like amnesty boxes at the airport, Adelia? It feels that way. Yeah. 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 
You, you know, like what you're supposed to do with your prescription meds when you are done yeah. taking them instead of throwing them in the trash or in the toilet, you're supposed to submit them. It seems like this. I'm, exactly like that. I, I'm willing to bet that these are donation trap boxes and the <laughs> and the communist government in China in China is going to collect all this stuff and just send them all to another country and have them trapped out and produce revenue for them. <laughs> probably. That's probably. North yes, Korea. you're probably Canada, right. North you're drilling it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know North Korea's economy strong enough to buy all this, all this uh, strong, <laughs> strong CBD. He'll trade it for some Hennessy. I can see him. <laughs> I can see him sending it to Singapore, and I can see him also sending it to Thailand. I could definitely see him sending it to Thailand because that's the super trap market out there in Asia. Uh, yeah, th- no, yeah, Thailand. Hey, they don't give a fuck over Thailand. Yeah, so, they yeah. I'm, I, I, I w- I'd be willing to put money on it that all this stuff is going to get sent out there. Yeah, yeah let's do it. That's right. Coming to a Thai dispensary <laughs> near you. <laughs> oh, oh man, you guys are you guys are silly. You guys are so silly. But flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you like to get high at 9 for 10% off your full order. You with us right yeah. now? Oh, I'm doing this. I'll go. I'm, 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 doing I'm doing the disclaimer. I forgot about that. Oh, all right. The, so, thoughts, the, the thoughts and opinions. <laughs> it starts off with that, Rico. No, oh, no you going to do it? We're going for no fumbles. The thoughts and opinions in general, overall shade, throwing a high and nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship, and our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, then maybe this show is not for you. Also, maybe you should go buy some edibles in Hong Kong. (laughs) When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.shop to see why our Terps don't lie. All righty, coming up next, we have the lawyer who's done federal time for a cannabis crime. That's right. It is other than the man himself, our model law representative, Dale Schaefer. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, What I threw up was the pleading that just got filed in the case we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the... um, Oregon company that's challenging 
uh, the import and export ban on the dormant commerce clause. And some of this stuff makes you yawn. But the authority of the federal government over all of this is based on the Commerce Clause. So it's beginning to get a little more interesting. You guys went over the letter to the DCC, from the DCC to our Attorney General, give us an opinion about whether we can import and export. Oregon, the state of Oregon has filed a motion to dismiss the claim uh, filed by this wholesaler because they're claiming that uh, there is no interstate commerce and cannabis, so the dormant commerce clause doesn't apply. And they're also saying that because you can't get a license that satisfies the state and the feds, nobody can give you a remedy that you want. It's still going to be illegal under federal law. Now, frankly, I think that this is some horseshit by the, the state of Oregon, but what it's doing is it's refining a line between people moving across state lines to participate in cannabis businesses and cannabis going across state lines because the Controlled Substances Act makes it illegal to have cannabis anywhere, whether it's in a state, across the state line, it's all illegal. But back on the East Coast, we had some challenges to residency requirements to be an owner uh, of a cannabis business. <clears throat> so those were struck down by the dormant commerce clause because, and this, this is something we're going to talk about over time, but they now recognize that commerce includes people moving across state lines to engage in commerce. It's not just goods, but it's services and people that can do that. So what Oregon is saying is that, no, no, you can't, you cannot get relief here because you can't move products across state lines. That's probably a better question to go to the federal courts than can, can I be precluded from getting a license in Illinois because I live in California? That's stopping people going across state lines, and it's legal to do that. So we've got another line being drawn here. And based upon what we saw, you guys saw yesterday with the letter, there's now some, some more questions popping up that I'm ready to talk with you guys about from the standpoint of an attorney. Because the letter yesterday had legal citations in it like we write. We don't write stuff for people to generally review. We write it for a court to review. And it's boring as hell. This is a pleading, boring as hell, black letter law. But this is what we look at. And the challenge from this case is what I just described to you. Cut it down to layman's terms. So from there, let's have a discussion. <clears throat> Oh, oh boy. Are you ready to discuss this, Dale? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's fucking good. All right. Yes. I mean, I mean, I, I think that it's ridiculous that the that the state of California did this. I, I find even more interesting that the state of, of, of or was it the state of Oregon or was it uh, just it's not it's not the state, it's just against the governor? No, this is the state. They're acting through their attorney general and the head of their Oregon alcohol and whatever commission they got everybody's got a name for their fucking bullshit mm -hmm. bureaucracy but in oregon it's the state that's saying this interesting um i just i, I find it very interesting that that uh they are their oregon is kind of would you call it pulling out in retrospect well <laughs> i i i don't think they're um they have a good argument here on, on a grander scale but as i told you earlier jason the, so they're the, pulling they're pulling out so they're pulling out they're retreating well, the, yeah, that, that's one way to look at it. But I'm encouraged that we now have the states 
stepping into this and going clear back to the rage case, even my case, we got no attention from the state at all. They told Angel Rage, oh, you're kind of on your own. You go out and butt heads of the federal government. When you're a state butting heads in federal court, they give you a lot more attention because under the 10th Amendment, you really do have uh, a lot of power as a state to challenge the federal government. So I'm hoping the dynamics gets changed here. Um, and as they pointed out yesterday, the federal law makes no distinction between intrastate and interstate commerce. If they are going to tolerate any any activities in cannabis, they're not going to stop at the state line under their current guidelines. They may not like it, but I don't think you can go to federal court and get this thing stopped because of the McIntosh case until they determine that you're not following state law. And this is where it all gets mixed up because we don't have a clear law. We have the camel sticking his nose under the tent and then going, oh, it's cool. Come in and set your own tent up. And the next thing you know, we're trying to figure out and the government will not give us clear guidelines. They're just a bunch of pussies. They don't want to get in the middle of this clearly. Sometimes pussies want to get in the middle of things. But um, how is this going to uh, uh, affect us on the short term, Dale? Is this going to add more? chaos and uncertainty well, people trying to put together their game plan so they can figure out their long their long game is that what you see this as well yeah and and what i see is there going to be another little sneaky step forward because the federal government is not going to change this it's going to take the supreme court to tell them having cannabis and marijuana in schedule one is unconstitutional read the statute there's medical use for it it doesn't apply anymore throw it out there have been a plenty of cases, and I've been peripherally involved and directly in my own case, where we've asked the court to look at this and say it's unconstitutional. And they go, yeah, but that's not an issue before us. If we can get that before a court, and especially the state's asking, I think we're going to get a clear decision here. And the way the Supreme Court is acting right now, they're not afraid to throw all this shit out um, and start over again. I mean, I guess that's that's a good thing. I mean, they, they realize the error of their ways. They realize that they're not going to have a winning case. And therefore, why waste the taxpayer money fighting a losing battle? And let's restructure, reorganize, and go back and head in for the fight. Is all that what you're saying, Dale? Money, all these people yeah, are going to be with This is more political than it is legal. Okay? Because Rohrbacher far and going way back, and Jason, you know my history with Rohrbacher and all that shit. Yep. But they just said, you can't spend now. We're going to take away your, your um, pocketbook to spend rather than passing a law. And the Cole memo were guidelines. These, if you're going to exercise discretion to prosecute, follow these sort of guidelines. But none of that changed federal law. You have to get the federal law changed. I don't see Congress being able to find their ass with both hands, let alone pass comprehensive cannabis and hemp and all those regulations. It's not going to happen. The court, with a stroke of a pen, could wipe out the Controlled Substances Act's control over marijuana or cannabis. That mm -hmm. would be a, the big victory I'm looking for. That would be the big one. The yeah. big wham doozle. We have Stephen up in the, from the audience in Clubhouse to speak on this. Stephen, do, do you have something to say about this? Yeah, of course, forever and always. So, um, you know, uh, thank you, uh, first off, for letting me on stage and, and uh, let me always, as always, state my opinion and, and have a question as well. I mean, this sounds a lot like you know, back in the uh, medical cannabis era here in California, where uh, if we kind of pushed the envelope with federal government, that the federal government generally does not go after the states. Um, and if the state itself was to take this to issue with the federal government, we'd probably get some movement. 
is that kind of what I'm hearing here? You're, you're, you're kind of hearing that. But the thing about it is this is that the state um, isn't going to face any type of legal repercussions in regards to the state's going to tell one of their cannabis companies, hey, you guys can go and do this now based off this opinion. And we think that you can and you're not going to lose your DCC, li your, your license from us. But as soon as you cross that state line, uh, be prepared for the feds to, to create a case against you uh, for interstate trafficking and controlled substance over a state line. And you're going to have California labels all over that packaging, including your warning label. And so they're going to have clear cut evidence that this was a legal, a legal, a legal product transported over a state line, which is a federal crime. And you're going to get screwed and pay the legal bill. Stephen. They're just asking you to try them. Thank you for clarifying that. I really appreciate it. Yep. Trust us, right? Like Bait. Lucy and the football, yeah. Trust yep. us. Don't take it. That's why. I mean, it's it's the same thing we've been facing here in California forever. You know, it's not like we've ever had um, legalization. We're just got a legal defense. You know, that's that's that, that's right. That was the case, and that's something that uh, people tend to forget. You know, but it, it still to me rings very freaking true that we are still breaking federal law. It doesn't really matter whether the state says that it's okay or not. We exactly. just got a legal defense in court. But That's but it. but talk, talking with Dale and being Dale being the attorney in the room, haven't talked talking with him prior to the show, I did learn a little something interesting is that if this was to to advance in court and end up going into the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court could actually deschedule cannabis. Can you touch on that just for a second, Dale, before we go to our next story? Well, yeah. If the federal court looks at the, the Controlled Substances Act and Schedule One. The language is it's got to have no current medical value. It's highly addictive, all that kind of shit, but it can have no current medical value. Well, CBD has been approved by the FDA. And we now have uh, an approved study which shows the efficacy of THC for veterans with PTSD. And and we've got Sativex, which is a FDA-approved THC product. So there's current medical use. If you hold it up to the wording of the statute, it's unconstitutional. Okay. Now, what are they going to do with it? With the Leary case, they found that the whole, whole law was thrown out. With this, if they say you can't have it in Schedule 1, now what's that going to do? It's either descheduled, rescheduled. The government's going to have to take some action. Oh, hold on a second. So so you're telling me that if if we get the positive ruling, which I said would have been a positive ruling by the Supreme Court, that they can just reschedule, which would be a negative side effect on our end. It would be. And that's why the arguments to to uh, reschedule it, it's like, no, 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 you're not going to get a license to produce a schedule two drug either. No, nope. uh, you're not going to get it. And also to 280, uh, 280E, you're not exempt from schedule two with 280E. Well, unless you've got that license, that federal license. Then you're just a drug operation. Well, they're not going to give, no, they're not gonna give any of these weed companies that license. But not if the DEA know. has anything to say not about a it. Chance, yeah. Not a chance in hell. Yeah. yeah. Man. The game is rigged. The game yes, is rigged. Fascinating story, Dale. And I appreciate <laughs> you coming on and talking about this. It's best to be first at everything in this industry. <laughs> Learning Unless, is actually not best to be first for much in this industry. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, been, well, tell I me about it. I was the first one where they decided that you got five years to add up the plants to get to 100. And we're all like, what? What the fuck? We thought if you never have 100 plants, you're not going to federal prison. They said, oh, no, do the math. Five years. And it's like, OK, I'd already done that. So guess what? I'm going to prison. Somebody put money in my commissary account. And, you know, 
here we go. You're on a whole different timeline, man. It's no, yeah. but I kept my law license while I was in prison, so fuck them, you know. Can kiss my ass. Hell yeah. Oh, that was a that was a good one. We definitely appreciate yeah. you on the on the deep dive out there, Dale. <clears throat> Why we love having experts on our panels because they can not only keep us in check, but they can also offer deep dives on stories like that where we can also surface. But up next. This spicy Mayflower rooted redhead conservative with questionable oligarch ties is never afraid to knock pot loving libs down a peg when she sees fit. The founder of Panoptic Strategies and Hyde Nine News is very on Washington Insider, Gretchen Gilly. Thank you. Thank you. I apologize for my tardiness, but major thank you to delivery men who just spent over a half hour trying to get a couch upstairs in my DC row home. Not an easy task. Special delivery. Very special Dude, delivery. They were very sweet. Love them. They were great. I bet they were. Simmer down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, from Marijuana Moment, who's been missing a little update on safe banking? Well, my headline is Booker Laments Cannabis Crisis of Prohibition Laying Out Marijuana Banking Challenges in New Congress. Senator Cory Booker says that ongoing marijuana banking issues under prohibition amount to a cannabis crisis. And while he thinks there's still a shot to enact reform with Republicans in control of the House, he's underscoring the challenges of the new political dynamic on Capitol Hill. Advocates and stakeholders remain frustrated that Congress was unable to pass a marijuana banking bill and other modest reforms last session when Democrats held majorities in both chambers. But eyes are now turned to what's achievable in the 118th Congress. Booker told NewJersey.com that he, it's his intention to try to drive it as far as we can go. But the dynamics have shifted pretty dramatically with the House flip. He said enacting reform is definitely going to be harder, but not impossible. He said, I do think there's a chance. Remember, there's always been a good bipartisan coalition of people that want to do something. The urgencies that pushed us towards some kind of partnership are still there on the business side, as well as the restorative justice side. Booker has faced particular criticism from certain stakeholders over how his position on banking legislation has evolved, with the senator at one point vowing to block any efforts to advance a standalone Safe Banking Act without equity components, but eventually expressing interest in compromise to get something done. He re remains committed to incorporating equity into legislation he plans to work on this session, but the task is steeper without Democratic control of the House. The senator said in an earlier interview following last year's election that he believed it could take many years from now to pass cannabis legislation if Democrats didn't get the job done during the lame duck session. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who led negotiations over the so-called Safe Plus package, has faulted Republicans for keeping the proposal out of key legislation that he hoped to attach it to last session. Representative Patrick McHenry, who now serves as chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, said last month that while he still opposes the banking proposal, he won't stand in its way. The White House was asked last week where President Joe Biden stands on marijuana banking reform, and Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said that the ball is in Congress's court, with no current plans for administrative action to resolve the issue. Biden hasn't provided a clear policy position on marijuana banking, though he said that states should be able to decide their own cannabis laws without federal interference. His administration has also become more vocal marijuana reform since the president issued a mass cannabis possession pardon in October. 
Well, I love that Cory Booker is out there calling this cannabis crisis when last year he was dying on his sword to keep this from getting to the floor. Um, it's nice to see that these guys are trying to finally come around. I don't think it's as difficult a task as Cory Booker lays it out to be. Frankly, if these jagoffs had done their job in the last Congress, we wouldn't be here right now. They say, oh, we only had 59 votes. Well, I don't know what freaking votes they were counting. Because if you ask many advocates, there was at least 70 votes in the Senate to get it done. So I hope these jokers can get out of the way and let this bill stand on its own and actually pass. Because there is support, Congress just needs to get their heads out of their asses. Cory Booker needs to get off his fucking soapbox and actually do something. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. Um, Gretchen? I, I agree with almost everything you said there, Gretchen. But uh, mm -hmm. why is it why, why is it evolution why is it, when it's a Republican, but it's hypocrisy when it's a Democrat? I never said it was hypocrisy. I said uh, he's an idiot. I mean, this guy is standing there. I'll call, I'll call it hypocrisy. Ago, and he's saying, oh, I, it can't get done. I'll die on my sword before I let this go forward. I love how the Democrats love to complain that Mitch McConnell was the one who stood in the way. Mitch exactly. McConnell did not stand out. in the way for two he years. Mm -hmm. He didn't stand in the way for 18 months while Chuck Schumer promised us a bill that was going to save the world. And then... You know, it was blowing air. I mean, it's all just bullshit. And I'm His so big old grandstand on 420. That they care so much. If Chuck Schumer cared so damn much, where has he been for the past 30 years on cannabis reform? Exactly. Nowhere. This is ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> this is all grandstanding, all a bunch of hoopla <laughs> and the kabuki theater at its finest. Exactly. I'm 100% with you on everything you said, Gretchen. Totally agree with you. This is total grandstanding on Cory Booker's part, trying to cry the woe is me. Oh, maybe we should call it the woke is me. You guys, you guys stay in the news. You guys stay in the news, man. You know that. You gotta keep it's it's it's, it's the woke is me. Wow, wow, wow. We can't do anything now because the Republicans are in control. But I'm willing to bet that Republicans actually take the ball farther than the Democrats did when they controlled all three branches. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I think I think the tricky part here is gonna be I think so. Look look at I, this judiciary committee we have. Yeah, okay. Um Let's look at that judiciary. Mar Another, Mar 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 Marjorie Taylor Greene in, in charge of that. How about that? Oh, yeah. Put her on She's that committee. Don't worry. Matt, 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 will, Matt will keep her in line, and Thomas Massey will too. Uh, cannabis is going to have strange bedfellows in the house to get stuff moving this year. Yes, that is true. Yeah, it's going to be sexy. Be more concerned if I were a restorative justice advocate. I don't think Republicans are going to push hard on that whatsoever. Uh, so that's going to have to come from the Senate if they want to see that stuff get done. Uh, I do hear that the HOPE Act will go again. SAFE is going to go again. I hope they just put the two together to begin. Um, and They can't They can't put them together. Oh, wait, yeah, they can't because it'll be single subject, single subject. It's all they we do a whole new bill and throw this junk together. Um, and it, sounds I think like the worst, it sounds like the worst rerun season of all time. All of I mean, but the, at least this one will, will actually have, have a finale. Well, cannabis should be used to that. I mean, yeah. this I don't know why this is all a surprise. <laughs> but I love how the Democrats jump up and down. Is Oh, it's going to be so hard now with Republicans in control. Well, why didn't you do anything the past two damn years? Maybe. Well, hold on. Maybe they know that there's something huh. happening and they're staging it for themselves. They're oh. like, oh, it's going to be so hard. So then they can act like they did so, so much to, to, to get something done when they didn't do anything. I think you're high as it guy. could be. It could be a whole, whole, whole mind, uh, mind trick on you, Gretchen. I don't know. Smoke that I mind. Like 
Yep. Yeah, let's just run this, this ad. This is the best staging ever. <laughs> Keep it popping. Bringing us home today is somebody who, uh, she is the CMO of Event High and the co-host and founder of Revolutionary Professional Women in Cannabis Networking Series, Blunt Brunch. But we know her as the woman who fled California for freer desert landscapes of Arizona. Adelia Carrillo, what do you have for us today? Good morning, good afternoon. I'm coming back to visit in February or the end of this month, so I'll be back in California. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's article is Jerry Garcia's Grateful Dead cannabis brand is leaving California. So Jerry Garcia is known as an, an iconic cannabis smoker in California. Born in San Francisco, Garcia led the Grateful Dead for 30 years as the city became an influent, an international beacon on counterculture. And he did it all while casually and openly smoking cannabis. His pot pipe is actually considered an artifact of California cannabis history, for those that didn't know that. But even the iconic Jerry Garcia name couldn't survive California's turbulent legal cannabis market. The Garcia handpicked brand launched by the musician's family in 2020 has pulled out of the state, a spokesperson confirmed to SF Gate. Garcia's exit comes as cannabis insiders predict a mass extinction event for California's cannabis industry, with thousands of companies expected to go out of business this year. Garcia handpicked, like most celebrity brands, contracted out its cannabis growing and manufacturing to partner companies and then stamped Jerry Garcia's face on the packaging. The company said they are currently looking for a new cannabis supplier, although they're still taking a pause in California. They want to ensure California consumers have the highest quality, uh, highest quality flower for the long term. So they are in the process of choosing a new local partner for cultivation, production, sales and distribution of Garcia handpicked in California. Um, they did interview uh, Andrew D'Angelo, uh, for those that don't know him, a cannabis consultant and former owner of Harborside, said that the Garcia brand probably learned the same thing that all the California cannabis companies have realized. You can't make money in this market. Now, California's cannabis industry has faced huge economic hurdles, which majority of us know uh, from the state's complicated cannabis regulations, high taxes, limited access to banking, federal law blocks, etc. These factors have come together to make California a painful place to run a legal cannabis business. The majority of legacy cannabis farms are on their way out of business, and even the country's biggest cannabis companies are leaving the state. Now, nearly a dozen states have legalized cannabis by the time Jerry Garcia's surviving family members decided to start this cannabis brand built around the Grateful Dead frontman. Um, but the Garcias did still continue to choose to launch their brand in California, the same place that Jerry was born, spearheaded an artistic movement and died. The Golden State featured pr prominently in the initial launch. Um, they had an Airstream painted with swirling psychedelic colors crisscrossed the state in late 2020 announcing this brand. Um, 
And it goes into details about a couple other things that they were looking to do, but didn't able to, weren't able to accomplish, unfortunately. There is now only one jar of Garcia handpicked available in San Francisco, according to Weed Maps, and there's no sign that any more will return to the Bay Area. Um, now, Eli Melroyd, the CEO and co-founder of Soulful Dispensary Chain, said the brand's exit from California was a sign that it's a struggle for even good cannabis brands to make money in the state. He also stated he usually doesn't sell celebrity brands in the state um, at his stores because most celebrity brands have poor quality products. But Garcia was different. He said that they had good cannabis grown by the, some of the state's best outdoor cannabis growers like Moon Maid Farms and Sonoma Hills Farms. They start from a place of skepticism because they've seen a lot of celebrity brands launching cannabis that are really just basically a celebrity name on a product that is marked up. Now, the brand is still for sale in Colorado, Maryland, Michigan, Massachusetts, and Oregon. It offers a range of cannabis flower, pre-rolled joints, and some colorful pot-infused gummies shaped like guitar picks. Its packaging still features Jerry Garcia's face uh, connected to the swirling psychedelic colors. Uh, a Aiken to Milton's Glasser's iconic 1966 poster of Bob Dylan. And the Garcia's brand departure is also a sign that customers could be getting tired of celebrity pop brands. There are so many famous people selling weed that even the rock stars are noticing that it might not be easy to get into business. Garcia, uh, his handpicked brand isn't actually the first Grateful Dead cannabis brand. Drummer Mickey Hart launched his own pre-rolled joint brand called Mind Your Head in 2019. Their website is also down and a brand representative's uh, couldn't really be contacted for this story. However, they say both these brands could come back to the state. But for now, deadheads in California will have to get by without smoking any cannabis, blessed by the legendary brand. So this is Adelia reporting live for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. Do you think we will see the return of these brands that are leaving California? I wouldn't say anytime soon. Well, and yeah. There's so many issues with celebrity brands. I mean, first, if you're a celebrity and you're coming into the industry and you're just going to white label, that's just a huge mistake, like major mistake. If you can't be authentic and go all the way to the root of the plant with your brand, then you're going to probably not be taken very seriously for the most part. Um, and I wouldn't at this point in the game right now in California cannabis, it, it's not shocking to hear that these people are leaving I mean, a ridiculous amount of brands tried to launch in 2022 um, during a huge market crisis deficit. I mean, there was just not a worse time to launch brands. And so um, if you're considering launching a flower line in the state of California in the next year or so, I highly advise against it. Uh, get into I, the manufactured I mean, goods. If anything. I mean, I wonder, I have, I have a couple questions in regards to this, because just based off a couple of comments that we're seeing in our chat from our viewers, I mean, uh, Jason Pinsky says, interesting timing with the Grateful Dead cannabis getting ready to launch here in California. So I wonder if they're just di diverting uh, resources. And uh, Justin Benson says they were ranked 12 on BDS at one point this year as far as the Garcia line. So I think, I think that is mm, very spice possibly in there. Yeah, very, very <laughs> interesting. And I think it's, I think it's very interesting to, to see Every, all these exits out of the California market, out of the mature markets, because people aren't making money. They're too saturated. Um, Jason, do, or excuse me, um, uh, Mandy, since um, you have a lot of uh, brand experience, do you think that a lot of these brands will be making a return later on at a later date in name only under um, uh, watered down MSO formulations? 
Um, I, it really depends. I mean, yes, we're going to see some try to make a comeback, right? They're going to probably take a year or two off, wait and see how the market corrects itself and find a way to slide back in because let's face it, it's a huge, it is a huge marketplace in general, right? As far as cannabis markets are concerned. And so to not try to exist here is probably painful to those who are operating in other states. The idea of not operating where cannabis really has its heartbeat founded just sounds inauthentic to me. Um, but mm-hmm. the reality is that this is a bloodbath happening here in California. And to to get a brand to be truly notable, to be truly established and and really make a name for itself, you know, and to, to press the green go button now is just mm-hmm. a huge it's a huge mistake. That even the people who have had the most long-standing best relationships with their consumer base since the prop 215 era are choking right now it's it's painful so i read an article this morning um from the flow cannabis ceo and he also said he's like our mantra is stay alive until 25 so they're going silent but they're going to try to keep i like that stay alive till 25 that's a good mantra (laughs) yeah go ahead well, I was just going to say, well, I agree with what you're saying, Mandy. I think, you know, celebrity brands are going nowhere, I think, until there is legalization and until the general public can really weigh in. But I do think brands like Jerry Garcia that are iconic cannabis advocates or lovers or connoisseurs, whatever you want to call them, I think they do have staying power. When you look at something like Jerry Garcia, I mean, clearly this guy is well known and associated with it. Now, if you're somebody, I don't know, like one of these athletes who are just like, oh, I'm getting in or some rap star who's just going to start a brand. I don't think they have a chance in hell. But I do think, you know, Cheech and Chong, people who've been around forever, once this eventually happens, yes, I think they can white label a brand um, with an MSO. And I think it will have the same power for those That's because you're on the East Coast. Let me finish. I I know. There is a market for the people who want the Bud Light of cannabis. And I think that's where these guys are going to fill that niche. So you think think they're going to be in the race to the bottom and they're just going to have the coolest packaging for the cheapest price with the cheapest quality. (laughs) Well, that's what it's going to take. That's what's that's going to be the differentiator when you're talking about crap weed and crap prices to the general public and early entrance into the market. I think, yes, they're going to look at names that they associate with cannabis and they're going to go to those brands. Yes, I do think so. And when you, when you're just looking for 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 a pig with lipstick on, Gretchen, you just go for the pig with the most lipstick on. I'm saying, Jason, I don't think I don't understand why you think somebody who's never been a major consumer of cannabis is going to know all these niche wonderful. They're not. They're not. They're not. So they're, they're, not. they're not. So they're going to go to what they do know, and it's going to be Mike Tyson. It's going to be Jerry Garcia. It's going to be these. That's, that they do that's, that's not that's not how it works that's not how it well, works shit. because you, it's not i promise you that is that is that is never how it works that is never how it works from a retail angle what it what happens is this when you have these types of customers come into your store you know what they ask you gretchen what do you recommend i'm a first-time mm-hmm. user what do you recommend they don't give a shit about, about anyone's name or anything plastered or any brand that they already are familiar with they don't care about any of that all I'm they care about is what their about. bud tenders are telling them 
Okay, yep. sure. And and I know so many butt tenders who are out there saying, this is what I'm going to get the best commission on this week. That's what I'm going to push. hundred That's exactly what happens. It's 100% what happens. It's 100% what happens in, in reality. It's a guarantee of what happens. Whichever, whichever brand is offering the best sponsorship incentive to the butt tenders is which product they're selling that day. Believe that. So when Jerry Garcia is the best brand, that's what they're going to be pushing. Here's well, it's the because thing, it's though. because they were invested in marketing to these butt tenders. I have to also say that, like these, um, you know, celebrity brands that start, you know, musical brands that were in the you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, let's let's be really honest. Their customer base is also typically the kind of customer that really appreciates authenticity. And if they're just white labeling from someone else, then what's authentic about that? Now, if you look at like the Blues Brothers brand that grows their own weed, produces all of their own product. That is not a brand that has not in all the states. power, right? Huh? They do in they do in Oregon. They don't they don't do that right. in every state well, they're that, in. That's what I'm talking about. When when there's actually a a growing philosophy, a manufacturing philosophy, there's product intent behind every decision that the company's making. They're not just going to some white label manufacturing saying, make me a chocolate bar and slap my picture on it. That's, mm -hmm. that's not I don't think Jerry Garcia's yes. brand did that, though, right? Like they were. No, they're just leaving so. California, right? That's the story. They were white yeah, labeling from some other farm. Yeah, they were white labeling, but they worked with really good brands that had some. Dead, I'm, not dead, I'm, not, I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm just saying, like, I think that deep down that connection matters. Celebrity brands, people, the people, at least in California, we do care about the culture. We do care about the connection. And if a celebrity has that kind of a connection, it has more staying power. That's my opinion. That's what I'm saying. That's good. I, yeah. I don't know if you need to be the actual grower to have that connection. If you are Snoop and you're willing to endorse a brand and say, I love the way these guys grow. That's why I'm putting my face on their product. I think white labeling a product is just fine as well. Well then, uh, well then, maybe the, um, the 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 legacy cultivators and everything should just team up with a bunch of celebrities and put the the the, the greatest genetics behind Kim Kardashian That's OG. <laughs> there was this. Study. Oh, they they would call it they call it big blunts. <laughs> they call it big blunts. That would be the name of the Kim Kardashian's brand. It'd be a pre roll blunt, big blunts. Comes yeah, big old big old the dunk the dunks. <laughs> there was a study before our cannabis industry kicked off, Jason, where they looked at the wine industry and the average price and the hundred dollar bottles of wine and things like that. And it seems like everyone in California thought they're selling a hundred dollar bottle of wine, but the typical price was a ten dollar to fifteen dollar bottle of wine, and they set their their business model on a hundred dollar bottle of wine, they lost their ass because people at some point will go, how much is this? A hundred bucks versus $10 is going to get me high. And they walk out the door with the cheaper shit. It, there's been a lot of fucks up decisions about the business plans for these companies. And now they just can't, the sugar daddy dried up. That's what happened to, to flow Canada. The, the bank was, the, or their, oh, their race was the sugar oh. daddy. It dried up. <laughs> and you've got to be smarter oh. about this. You've got to set your gram production model, how you control that. And then it's got to be top quality, but it can't be a, everything, a hundred dollar bottle of wine. You're just going to lose your ass. So you're saying they were juicing the old man too fast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Old men can never be oh, too, too cool. oh man, thank you, thank you so much for that story, Adelia. That was that that was great, yes. and uh, and we wish all the brands out there the most the most success. We do want the That's cannabis fun. industry to succeed. Um, all joking aside, but. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank yous to our audience supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity and craziness that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to our haters for always talking about us because we have the most immaculate pieces of property in your head that we pay absolutely zero mortgage on because it is all free because of you. Huge thank you to our sponsors, True Classic, iSpire, Wizard Trees, DNA Genetics, LAXCC for helping us keep everything rocking and rolling. And thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely amazing. Thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and Zaza Simone Brown holding it down in Clubhouse, creating this space within the cannabis universe. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. Run it at him. <laughs>